Father God, I want to thank you and praise you that you are an almighty God, that you know us, you're the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and you knew us before we were born. Father, you have counted every hair on our heads and you know the steps that we'll take, yet you are so patient, long-suffering with us. Lord, I thank you for meeting us where we're at, for showing love, compassion and grace to us where we're at, and for showing patience and using the lives of others around us to speak to us as well. Father, I am so unworthy to stand before these people today and speak, but Lord, where I am weak, you are strong, and I pray, Lord, that you may use me in spite of myself, that you alone may be glorified, Lord, and that your word may be seen, your character may be seen, and that your love and compassion for people may be seen too, Lord. Father, I pray that you be with me as I speak. Use my lips. May it be nothing more than a nail on the wall when you be the painting. Father, I pray that you be with every person present. Open our hearts. May your Holy Spirit be here today, that we may each take out of this message and this story what you have intended for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the vast majority of you here today would have absolutely no idea who I am and may even be asking, who is this girl and why is she speaking? And rightfully so, you have absolutely no reason to know who I am. Yet, for those of you that are faithful attendees at Amen, you have actually heard me mentioned before, yet as a part of somebody else's testimony. As you can probably hear from my accent, I am not from here. I'm Australian, or Aussie as we call ourselves and I've spent almost my entire life in Melbourne, Australia. Today I'm here as the Amen Organising Committee asked me to come and to share some of my story with you. And as I said, for those of you that were here two years ago in 2016, the the aspect of my testimony that I'm sharing today is a carry-on from those that Daryl and Berenice Chang shared back in 2016. Okay. So, who am I? I recognise that the Australian and the American residency programs are slightly different, and so I'll do my best to speak in a way that you can understand. And from what I've gathered, generally, your residency programs are far more intense than ours. However, our programs are long, um, and I'm currently nearing, as Carla said, the end of my seventh year working as a doctor, and I will have almost completed my general paediatrics training and still have a couple of years to go with my ID fellowship. When I was in the junior era times of our residency years, Daryl and I actually went through the same training program in paediatrics. Today, I am a God-fearing, God-loving Seventh-day Adventist Christian, but that has not always been the case. I grew up in a broken home, and although I never questioned my parents' love, due to circumstances surrounding, my childhood years were broken and traumatic. These experiences, including the unexpected death of my mother at the age of nine, and the turmoil that followed going through the family courts and being moved from home to home, led me to be a lost, troubled adolescent, desperately searching for purpose and meaning in life. Through God's divine circumstances, my older brother became a born-again Christian. And when I was 15 years old, he brought me along to church with him. And I truly met God 
and I fell in love with Christ, with his word, and I was utterly transformed by his, art, by his love. The transformation at the time was radical. People commented and noticed the change not only in my demeanour, but in the very character and person that I was. I'd been an attitude-driven, broken, rebellious adolescent, and God truly changed me as I met him. It hasn't simply been sunshine and roses since then, though. At 18, I eventually hit a crossroad in life where God asked me to surrender to him a desire and to trust him. But instead, I chose a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And it led to an eight-year struggle where I tried to cling both to my own way and to God at the same time. And during that time, I lived a lukewarm Christian experience at the best, and in truthful honesty, I was well in the world before God used some truly profound circumstances to first call me home to him, and then with incredible patience, lead me to a point to finally find that surrender where I chose to sincerely trust God and to live by faith. I'm going to leave my story there for now, and I will come back to it, but I want to briefly parallel a Bible character and how the principles that we learn from his life played into me becoming a Seventh-day Adventist. So I want to take a sidestep and look at the character of Daniel. And as Adventists, we are so quick to think of Daniel the prophet, but today I want to look at Daniel the young man and how the decisions he made in his youth in his life demonstrates a principle that was key to me becoming Seventh-day Adventist and standing before you today. Before we look at Daniel, though, why was it that the Israelites were called apart? So Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3 reads, The Lord told Abram, You will leave your land, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I am going to show you. I'll make a great nation of your descendants. I'll bless you, and I'll make your reputation great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you, but I'll curse the one who curses you, and through you all the people of the earth will be blessed. God set the Israelites apart to show his world, his glory, his character. He was calling a people who would honour him and who he would also honour. But why? That through them, all the people of the world would be blessed. They were called to stand out as different and to be an example of God's light, his character to the surrounding nations. So looking at Daniel, you had Daniel as the young Jewish youth. He was born into a royal position, truly set up for success, not only of high physical attribute, but intelligent and a sound character. However, he was born at a time of one of Israel's greatest apostasies. The Israelites had been set apart to be an example to the surrounding nations, a people who were different to those around them, both in their words and their actions, because of their relationship with God. Yet they'd gone astray, and instead of being the example, they were following the example of those around. They were his people only by name, yet by action they did worse than the surrounding nations. There was no regard for moral standard or integrity. There was nothing that made the Israelite nation any different to those surrounding. And in fact, instead of being a blessing, 
an example of the character of God. In many ways, they were even worse. God, in his mercy, like a loving parent, cried out to his children through the prophets, had warned them again and again of their impending doom, to turn from their evil ways and to return to him. Yet despite his warning, they chose not to listen, and so came the exile. Why? Prophets and Kings reads, The remnant of Judah were to go into captivity to learn through adversity the lessons that they refused to learn under circumstances more favourable. And 1 Corinthians 5 verse 5, Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. God cares more about his children's long-term salvation than short-term pain. And so he allowed them to be carried off to Babylon in exile. And so we go back to Daniel, and we had Daniel born into a position of favour, but seemingly disadvantaged due to the circumstances around when in history he lived. He was taken off into exile, but what was Daniel offered? Ancient Babylon, otherwise known as the jewel of the ancient world, was a city viewed with awe and reverence. It was the epicentre of the then known world, impenetrable, wealth, prosperity. Daniel might have come in exile, but what he was being offered wasn't of poor quality when you just looked at it. He was hand-chosen from among the people to serve in the king's palace, to learn the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king had assigned an amount of food and wine from the king's table himself, and they were to be trained for three years and then to enter into the king's service. I mean, that seems like a pretty good deal. But what's wrong with that offer? Life in ancient Babylon revolved around idol worship, and the food off the king's table would have been offered to Babylonian gods prior to being served at the king's table. Not only this, but the Jewish people had been given specific health laws, and these practices were not shared with the Babylonian people, and this food would not have been kosher. And so, being seemingly offered at all amidst non-ideal circumstances, Daniel was facing with a decision, and what would he do? Daniel 1 verse 8 reads, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine that he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So Daniel made a decision to honour God and to stand for God, but he didn't just make the decision, he then acted upon that decision. And he approached the master of the eunuchs and asked for vegetable and water. And he was shut down. And how does he respond to that rejection? Daniel 11, Daniel 1, 11 to 14. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, please test your servants 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. When he was shut down, he persevered and he asked someone else. And the point with that is it's not always easy standing for God. It requires commitment and it requires perseverance. And when he asked his second request, Daniel is saying boldly, I will stand for God regardless of the circumstances. Daniel had a choice and life circumstances were being thrown against him. 
It would have been so easy to justify himself and to simply eat the food that was given to him. Yet in his faithfulness, what was he being to everyone else? Matthew 5, verses 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. God used Daniel and his friends to set apart as an example of his character, his light among the heathen. Now I have a question. What if Daniel hadn't purpose in his heart? If he'd simply been one of the crowd and done what was asked for him. And I think I found it really significant looking at whilst Daniel had the support of his friends, it was specifically Daniel who purposed in his heart, not Daniel and his friends. It was Daniel who approached the chief of the eunuchs and then again who approached the steward after he was initial, his initial request was rejected. And what you really see here is the power of positive peer influence on the lives of those around. In many ways... The life and the story of Daniel and the Israelites parallels us as individuals and as Adventists today. We, like the Israelites, have been called to stand out that through us, all people may see God. And we, like Daniel, are being faced with similar surrounding circumstances, trials and temptations. So now back to my story and how the positive influence of my colleague who purposed in his heart to stand for God led me to the Adventist church. So I'd gone through my eight-year struggle with God, a time where I sincerely wanted a relationship with God, but I also wanted the desires of mine own heart, and I had been completely unwilling to trust him completely with that. Yet through this time, God had never stopped seeking after me, And with great struggle, I eventually came to the point of realization that that whole time, the greatest and deepest yearning of my heart had been to walk with God as I once had. That revelation gave me the strength to surrender to God my greatest stronghold, the deepest desire of my heart, and wholeheartedly put my trust in God. And the truth is, God still has not given that back to me. And that is okay, because I trust him and Jesus is enough. And at this point in my life, there was no longer anything that I was not willing to surrender to him. And at the time, I'd been acutely aware of how intently God had pursued me. And it made me curious, why? Why me? I was no longer held back by my own stubborn clinging to my own desires. And my love for God grew, and I catapulted towards him. My daily prayer at that time became, God, I want to know your truth, your whole truth, and nothing but your truth. And I would honestly say to you that the verse of Jeremiah 29, 13, and you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, is so true. My prayer was sincere, and God did not, let, did not fall on deaf ears. At that time, I was truly open to being led by God wherever that road would take me. And that was the state of my heart at that time in my life. And so now in Australia, junior doctors in the first half of their residency program usually change rotations on a three-monthly basis. Um, And it was shortly after this that I changed rotations and I started to work with Daryl Chang. 
I'd heard through my friend and colleague that he was a Seventh-day Adventist, and I'd been curious to know what was the difference between Adventists and other Christians. And so I challenged him at lunch one day. In that conversation, he challenged me about the Sabbath. Being Pentecostal, I thought that the Sabbath was done away with on the cross, that the law was done away with. And he challenged me with a question, was all of the law done away with? And I pondered that. Worship no other gods, have no idols, honour your mother and father, do not commit adultery, do not murder. No, those things still stood. And so I reasoned, maybe the Ten Commandments weren't done away with. I was then truly ashamed to be advised that the fourth commandment was to remember the Sabbath day. And I left that conversation concluding that I didn't know. I didn't have an answer and I was going to have to look into it for myself. I went home that day determined to search the Gospels because I believed that if Jesus had changed the Sabbath or done away with it, he would have said something in there. But instead of finding what I'd expected to find, I came across the passage that solidified my solid search for truth in Matthew 5, verse 17 to 18. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot and one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. Those words bothered me. How could Christ's words be true and the law be done away with? What did this mean? Now, for paediatric training in Australia, you sit your specialty exams halfway through the program, and this happened to be the year of my specialty examinations, and my personal struggle and surrender to God had occurred immediately after my first part exam, and about the time I was start, starting to study exclusively for the second part clinical exam. That scripture had shaken me so significantly to the core and set me on my path for absolute truth that over the next couple of months, despite being in the midst of intense study for my fellowship exams, I was hungering after God so desperately that I would spend, on average, up to four hours a day studying my Bible. I could not get enough of God, and the more I read his word, the more I saw the character of a loving God. And the deeper I fell in love with God, I had this growing, uncontainable passion simply just to know him more. Now, amidst my own journey, at this same time, I was faced with two simultaneous Christian examples that influenced my life, one positively and one less so. The first was my then church friends. As my love for God had grown deeper and deeper, I was deeply convicted as to what I was being as a Christian. Was I simply going to church on Sunday, going to small groups, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and becoming a fat Christian? Or was I actively being a Christian as Christ was, and in the hands and feet of Christ and the example of him in the world? And I was convicted to go out and to minister to those in need, to feed the hungry as Christ had, and to truly be the hands and feet of Christ. And I shared this conviction with my church friends who were all on it. They thought it was a fantastic idea, in theory. 
But when it came to the practical application, they simply didn't have the time. There was always something better to do. There was always something else on. Sunny day, go to the beach, go to the snow. Something that took priority and precedence above Christ, above God, and certainly above being his hands and feet. And at the time, it really challenged me and made me ask the question to myself, where do we put God in our lives? Is he first or is he merely an afterthought that comes and fits in when it suits us? And in that, it really challenged me that if I honoured the Sabbath, then at the very least, there would be a 24-hour period that God would be first. The second example in my life was Daryl Cheng. As I mentioned before, it was the year of our fellowship exams. And now I'm sure this is probably similar here, but in Australia those exams are certainly a big deal. And residents basically give up 18 months of their lives to prepare for, focus on and study for those exams. For us, with the desperate hope that you pass the first time, because if you fail, it's 12 months before you can sit it again. Um, And so we really put our time and effort into preparing. Now, in that setting, Daryl did not only say that he believed in in the Sabbath, but his actions demonstrated that. In order to help trainees be adequately prepared for the exam, the hospital runs preparation tutorials for all candidates. And these sessions are a big deal. You go out of your... They're completely free. There's nothing that is funded for... The the hospital, you don't have to pay anything. You just attend. You go out of your way to get there and you really make it a priority. But there's a catch. These tutorials run every Saturday morning. Now, for those of you that know Daryl, he's studious and hardworking. And what I hadn't appreciated at the time was the extent he'd struggled with this. I later found out that he'd approached the director of training and pleaded with him whether there was a way to change the day. It hadn't been possible and the answer had been no. And so, faced with a choice to stand for what he believed in regardless of the cost or to compromise, like Daniel, he made a deliberate choice to honour God. He acted upon that decision. And when rejected, he persevered in that conviction regardless. The weeks came and went, and not once did he attend. And through his faithfulness, in his obedience to God, he was acting as God's light, that city upon the hill that cannot be hid. It was not his words that spoke to me, but his unyielding faithfulness to God and standing for what he believed to be truth, no matter what the cost. If Daryl had compromised on his Sabbath conviction... I can honestly tell you, I do not think I would be standing before you today because what I was looking for was a glimmer of hypocrisy that I could wash my hands and walk away. Now, when I first received the theme, A Call to Service, it caused me to sit back and to contemplate. How am I responding to Christ's call to service? Now? In the past? And how do I want to be responding in the future? I'll be honest, it was an interesting and convicting experience. Over the past few years, I've had some unbelievable divine appointments. Moments where I've walked into a feedback session with a supervisor praying for a divine appointment, only to have a three-minute 
feedback session and a 57-minute conversation about God where I've been convicted to pray for a patient, going, God, I can't do that. He's been nudged to do so, done so, and had them break down in tears before me. Given out more books of Steps to Christ and the great controversy and desire of ages within the space of weeks in one year than I'd ever seen before. Yet, whilst this year there have been some divine appointments, the truth is that within the considerable busyness of my current job and my role, and the exhaustion that's accompanied it, at this moment in time, I've gotten complacent. And I'm not currently responding to God's call to service the way I desire to be. What about you? How are you responding to Christ's call to service? The call on the Israelites to be a light to the surrounding nations, an example of the character of God, can be very much paralleled to us as Adventists today. We are called to be Christ's light to the world and to stand faithful to God that others may come to see Christ and understand his truth because of our faithfulness. So often we think that to reach the world around, we need a compromise, to be more relatable. But like Daniel, when you stand firm and stand faithful on the word of God, you will stand out. Daniel and his friends stood out amongst all the wise men of the realm and they became an example, God's light among the heathen. In the state of apostasy, they represented God's remnant, a people that will stand for God regardless of circumstance. The greatest witness that you can ever display is not the words you say, but the life that you live. Your life has an impact on those around you, positively or negatively. We all have an impact. God is asking you to honour him, to stand for him. Out of love for him, to be obedient to his word. When faced with the challenges in life, to have the strength like Daniel, to purpose in your heart, to honour God, to then act upon that conviction and to persevere even when it gets tough. Examining your heart and your life. Are you where you want to be with God? How have you responded to Christ's call to service? Are you being his light, his example? Or like me, do you honestly find yourself admitting, not quite? For whatever reason, busyness, complacency, distraction, even compromise, that you are not presently responding as you'd like to be. If you, like me, today say, I want a purpose in my heart to ask God to help me change that, then I want to ask you to stand. Father God, I just want to Thank you and praise you for how you work in our lives. Lord, we are all human, yet in our humanity you are divine, and when we are weak you are truly strong. God, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes and we don't always live up to the call you have on our lives, Father. But our hearts are in the right place, Lord, and we want to purpose in our hearts to, like Daniel, stand for you no matter what the cost. 
Lord, we know it's a journey and that you take, a, take, it on a, take us on it every day. Father, I pray that you be with every single one of us. Change our hearts, Lord. Take away our hearts of stone and make it a heart of flesh. Lord, help us to draw nearer to you every day, that as we fall in love with you again, our first love, that through that authentic relationship with God, it is out of that that we minister to others and show your love. Father, I praise you for the example of faithfulness I had in my life and how you use that to show me your truth. And I pray, Father, that you can continue to help us to be that light in the lives of those around us. Lord, may you continue to be with us on the Sabbath day. Whatever your Holy Spirit is speaking to us, may you continue to dwell in our hearts that we don't just let it go, but that we actively seek you and purpose to walk after you no matter what. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.